What is going on, crypto family? So today we've got a personal chat with Yoni, the titan of trading, the CEO of eToro. You know, we discuss a lot of cool stuff here. It's more like a personal chat. We actually talk about things that, you know, weren't really blockchain related. Things like, uh, advice to people that want to be entrepreneurs, you know, stories about himself, stories about eToro, what he thinks about the crypto markets, what he thinks the effects of like backed coming in, what plans he has for eToro, what's live now, his background and a ton more, right? So I had a great time chatting with Yoni. I'm sure you're going to enjoy his perspectives as well. So let's go check out the chat and I'll catch you on the other side. What is going on, crypto family? So today we've got the CEO of eToro with us, man. We got Yoni. So really appreciate you coming on, man. You got uh, you've done a ton of incredible things, and I can't wait to uh, you know learn more about you and all the cool stuff that you're doing. But uh, to kind of start things off, man, you know I know that um, you know in, in Israel you you have kind of like you know forced military, right? So you got to be in the military there. You got lots of friends that had to go through all that. Um, but what's maybe the craziest you know story that you got for us, man? That that moment that you decided that you were going to go from like military or whatever profession you know you were thinking about at the time to be in this full-blown awesome entrepreneur um so i've been a trader and a programmer both since i was about 13 so i always love capital markets and and finance um i think probably one of the funny stories is i was sort of born to trading uh, across the dot-com bubble. So started trading like 96 across where sort of the NASDAQ and OTC markets really went crazy, 97, 98, 99. Um, and I remember that when I got drafted, uh, this was, uh, so I, I did my basic training in, I think it was March 2000, just when the sort of bubble burst. And I remember standing with a uniform uh, and calling my father through a payphone in the desert, asking him to give me quote of what's happening in the markets. Like, no! Uh, so, so, so I've been sort of, you know, passionate about capital markets ever since I was young. Uh, I did, uh, I was a programmer in the intelligence unit, uh, which means I can't talk really about it. Um, and uh, throughout basically... All my life, I just liked sort of the combination of technology and finance. I just think sort of crypto and blockchain is the manifestation of that beautiful combination. No, it's incredible. Yeah, especially when you think of, you know, programming, you think of investing, you don't you know, necessarily think about taking the jump into entrepreneurship. You know, you kind of think about, well, you know, I'll go work for, you know, I don't know, one of these big banks, right? Or I'll go work for a trading firm or, or this or that. But you actually jumped into, you know, like eToro and, and other endeavors. So what's kind of like the advice you got for, you know, entrepreneurs or people that want to be entrepreneurs and kind of make that step like you did? What's the um, best advice you got for them? So uh, I found, a, you know, my first company that I founded after uh, uh, sort of finishing the army service was called CD Ride, and we installed video cameras and roller coasters to have a DVD of your entire ride. The only similarity between that and what I'm doing now is how the markets look like a roller coaster. Um, but I would generally say to entrepreneurs or to people who, who wish to sort of become entrepreneurs is one, just do it. Talk to as many people as possible. Find a team. So I think, you know, there's a magic in building a team that actually builds and, and, and ships things. And I think that's super important because in today's world, you, you're able to raise money only after you already built something. So find a team to help you build something that you're passionate about 
uh, and then go see and talk to as many people as possible to see if people believe in, in what you're doing uh, to invest. And when you do that, remember that you're going to get a lot of no's and a lot of people who are telling you your idea is stupid. Uh, so w- when I started eToro, people told me that trying to build a financial services a fintech company, the term fintech didn't exist in 2006 uh, when we were looking to raise funds for the same vision that is still the vision of eToro today to open the global markets for everyone to trade and invest in a simple and transparent way. But people told me you can't do that out of Israel. You have to be based in New York or London or Hong Kong uh, if you want to be in financial services. Luckily, my father was also a founder uh, and an entrepreneur. Um, and when he, found, when he went to get his company listed on NASDAQ in the early 90s, then people told him that you can't export software out of Israel. So I, I realized very, you know, that people don't necessarily know what the future holds. And actually, entrepreneurs uh, usually have a better grasp of the future than people who sort of hold the status quo. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff you said there, I mean, it rings so true. With uh, with all the no's, how many no's did you get, you think, before you got your first yes? Because a lot of people, they just give up, right? You know, they, they, they start the game, they, they start playing it, and then, you know, they just get, you know, neglected or rejected so many times, they just kind of, you know, hang up the shoes and quit. How many times, how many no's do you think you got? Before? I, I think for my, my first round, we probably met 40 people, 40 angels, uh, eventually maybe, you know, 12 to 13 invested, uh, which basically means there is another 20-something that didn't. Um, I think throughout the process, you meet a lot of people, you talk to a lot of people, you refine your concept and, your, and, and the idea and the trajectory. You learn what resonates and doesn't resonate with people. Uh, so so it really that discussion really enables you to understand better how to sell your vision uh, and how to craft your vision in a way that people sort of understand it exactly you can have the best idea in the world man but if you can't uh, basically spit it out in a consumable manner it's really difficult to get it across so what's uh what's maybe a story for us man when you created eToro or even just as you're running it now something that's kind of just sticks out in your mind is like man you know this is awesome sure. or this is awful <laughs> i think one of the key sort of conclusions we had uh in the first couple of years of eToro so uh we we build eToro as a platform to simplify financial trading. And that was sort of the core initial vision is to open the markets. Let's simplify it for more people to access the markets. And we did that through gamification and social gamification. Uh, so you would trade with a lot of visual gamification. Uh, and you can talk to other people on the initial platform that we launched in 2007. I think what we realized back then and what a lot of people in crypto need to also understand, which is a big gap into crypto, is that eventually people take money very seriously and that in order to participate in, in the sort of money business and financial services, you, you have the ability to simplify things, but you can't dumb them down too much because you, need, you also want the bigger investors and bigger traders to work with you. And throughout that process, we sort of constantly started catering to bigger investor and bigger investors while still sort of keeping that vision of opening the global markets for everyone and adding more markets, entering sort of more markets. We just set up here in the U.S. recently, but constantly understanding that you want to cater both to people that have a lot of money 
uh, and to people who are just want to start experimenting with the market. Gotcha. So now that you said you guys are kind of moving over here into the U.S., you guys are already monsters on the other side of the pond, right? You guys are huge. Yeah. You can't uh, pass a billboard or a bus stop without seeing eToro on it for the most part. And so, um, you know, now that you're here in, in New York and you're going to plan on taking over the U.S., I would imagine, how are you going to do it, man? How are you going to like take it away from Coinbase and Gemini and all these guys that, you know, that have been here, that got, you know, a track record in the States and all that kind of stuff? What's, what's kind of the plan? I, I think, first of all, we're very excited about coming to the U.S. Uh, we started eToro in 2007. We've built it to have 11 million users from more than 100 different countries. We initially sort of uh, built the business in, in Europe, in the U.K., Germany, France, Italy, Spain, then expanded a couple of years ago into Asia, uh, into basically the entire of Southeast Asia and Australia. So it makes sense. We think, you know, this is the right time and we're at the right time and the right size uh, to go into the U.S. Uh, we launched about four months ago. Uh, we started sort of, uh, I think, finding the right product market fit here in the U.S. So today, on eToro globally, you can trade stocks, commodities, indices, currencies, ETFs, and cryptocurrencies all in the same platform and can automatically uh, copy the top traders on the platform. Uh, here in the U.S., our initial launch was uh, the top 15 cryptocurrencies, and we're going to add to that. And, and we have the copy portfolio, so we can actually invest in a copy portfolio. We're going to add to that soon the copy trader uh, as well as stock trading capabilities here in the U.S. So we're taking the U.S. as a gradual rollout, constantly adding more and more features. We have our blockchain wallet and our social trading platform uh, working, so we can actually talk to hundreds of thousands of investors on, our, on the Toro platform, which is a great way to learn about the markets and to get educated and to actually see what other people are doing. Um, and I think for us, it's really about launching all of the awesome features that we have overseas here in the US. And at the same time, find great influencers around the space to basically embrace a new product. Gotcha. You guys are doing a lot, man. And so when, when you're trying to take on a Coinbase or something like that, I mean, if you look at it, you're like, yeah, you know, we do, we do stocks, we do all these different things and we do crypto. I guess, you know, you basically, not only can you go after the retails, but you guys can have, actually go after some of the, the bigger investments, bigger investors, you know, bigger, you know, maybe even hedge funds, things like that, institutionals. I guess taking on Coinbase and people like that, you guys are going to be doing just a ton more than what they're doing and offering a lot more products and services to a bigger, you know, pool of people. Is that kind of what I heard? Yeah, I, I think, again, this concept of social trading and the fact that every consumer on eToro opens a profile where they automatically publish all of their trading activity. Uh, so you can actually find people in a, in a news feed and talk to people about what they're doing and learn from other people and see their trading activity in a month-to-month performance. So, you know, people are actually honest about what they're doing. I think what we've learned so far is that's a very important part of learning how to trade and understanding better the capital markets, whether it's crypto markets or the stock markets. The great way to really understand is to communicate with other like-minded people. Um, so I think through that feature and connectivity where suddenly somebody in the US can now talk to people. So a lot of the crypto community is very global. Uh, a lot of things are happening, whether it's in China or in Australia, 
uh, or in Asia or in Europe, and suddenly to have a place where you can communicate about it uh, with everyone around the world and actually see their portfolios and understand basically that their money is worth their mouth is. It's kind of incredible, actually. You know, you see people on TradingView, you can follow them, kind of see their charts, you can see their history, but having the ability, you know, to be able to interact with people in live time and see exactly what they what they're doing and be able to converse with them, that's, uh, that's actually super powerful, man. So you guys are... Are you live at all here right now? Yeah. In the US? We're, we're, right now we're open 42 states. So people can actually set up an account. It's a three minute process to set up an account. Uh, you can fund it with ACH and start trading cryptocurrencies um, on the platform today. That's pretty incredible. How's that process been, you know, getting, you know, acceptance from 42 states and, you know, and, and then you got, you got the eight left, right? So what's, what's that been like? It's, it's, it's a big process. We've been doing it around the world for a while. So uh, we're a regulated broker uh, in Europe, in the UK, in Australia and South Africa. Uh, we have uh, over 700 employees across our offices all around the world from Israel to UK to Europe to Australia uh, to China and Hong Kong uh, and now Hoboken here in New Jersey. So we're very used to sort of the process of setting up and launching a new region. Uh, and obviously the US, you know, has huge potential uh, and we're very excited about that. How's, yeah, for sure. How's, how's adoption been going so far for you? I mean, you know, because we've seen so many people, they get, you know, a little disgruntled or discouraged about the crypto market. It's kind of going sideways. Some people say, you know, the bubble popped, it's over. Other people saying, you know, the best is yet to come. But one thing I've seen, you know, just across the space is it seems like there's a little less interest at this time. And I realize you guys do a lot more than just crypto. So is that helping with, with the adoption? Are you guys seeing, you know, a steady growth or is it kind of going stagnant? It's definitely helping. Uh, so we constantly see uh, growth in the equities part uh, of our business. And more, I think generally, again, the entire concept of eToro is to trade anything, everywhere, anyone. Uh, so uh, we're, and our thesis is there is a, a generational transformation of wealth. So there's this whole new generation, you know, from... 25 to 45, and a lot of them haven't really started uh, investing in the markets. And we believe that the markets globally are super interesting and that we're going to see a significant sort of surge in the interested people to invest in the markets over the next 10 years, and, all, and, and specifically in the global markets, whether it's people uh, from China investing in U.S. stocks or uh, U.S. investing in the crypto markets or European uh, investing in Asia. Uh, and I think what we were seeing is crypto is very volatile, but has that steady growth. So there is this chart, you probably know it, where it says success doesn't go like this. Then it's not linear, it goes like this. Uh, so I think that's what we're seeing in the crypto markets. We've seen the crypto rally where there was definitely sort of irrational exuberance in the markets uh, where people were standing in line for ATMs. We had in one day a hundred times more funded accounts in one day than six months before that. Um, so we definitely saw that process. Then we saw the crypto winter. I saw some people call it the nuclear winter, where people really, you know, got disgruntled from how long that took. And actually, a lot of people thought it would take longer. I heard a lot of OGs. Uh, talk about sort of crypto winter going to continue towards the end of 2020. Um, at some point, I, I was I started saying, okay, maybe they're right. Um, so we've been through 
you know, I, I, I was, I'm, was interested in crypto since 2010. Uh, a lot of the people, founders of exchanges sort of saw the Mount Gox collapse, which led us to the sort of first crypto winter, um, or actually that was the second crypto winter. Uh, and now we've seen sort of, I think we saw, we saw the end of crypto winter number three, and now we're seeing sort of crypto awakening. There's a question whether we're going to see a rally suddenly within six months running to 50,000, or whether now it's going to be a sane sort of steady going up, uh, you know, with obviously the volatility coming into crypto, where it's going to take five years to get to $50,000. So if you think about the dot-com bubble, the dot-com bubble was irrational exuberance, right? Low interest rates, everybody's investing into high tech, crazy multiples, companies without revenues going to crazy public markets, somewhat reminiscent to the ICO market, a bit irresponsible, and then everything crashed. Did it kill the internet? It didn't kill the internet. Did we see another rally as strong as 99? We didn't. We just saw steady growth of NASDAQ and tech stocks, where if you're smart enough to get in the Facebook IPO, I think you did like you know five to 10 times since then. Uh, a lot of great tech companies, not to talk about Google, right? Uh, so all of the big tech companies, Amazon, Google, Facebook sort of grew after the dot-com bubble. And I think we'll see the same after the sort of crypto bubble burst. So we definitely burst. We're certainly in the awakening phase, whether it's going to be a rally or whether it's going to be steady growth. That's an open question. Gotcha. What do you think about back? We're supposed to launch 923, right? So just, you know, just six days away or something like that. What's one of your thoughts on back coming into the space? I'm not sure any, I think now the market is big enough that one specific entry to the market, it's, it doesn't change the game. Uh, I might be wrong, but I think there are possibilities today for institutions to tap into crypto they can do it, uh, you know, the likes of Fidelity as have been in the space. Their futures, not BTC settled, but cash settled, uh, running on the CME. So I'm not sure whether that would lead. By the way, the same as with an ETF. I think we're going to see some sort of a, an ETF, maybe not for retail clients, maybe for institutional clients within the next three to six months. Do I think it's going to, in one day, pop the Bitcoin markets into 20,000, 30,000? I don't think so. The reason is institutions are still skeptic. So until today, since the dot-com bubble burst, still a lot of pension money and a lot of sort of traditional money, uh, sort of asset management funds are still allocating relatively a small portion to tech because of the potential downside of tech, right? High multiples means if the market sort of retracts there is a chance for high losses. So there is an under allocation in general to tech amongst more traditional asset managers. I think crypto is still very much considered a very high risk asset class. And most institutions are, are still a bit uh, fearful. The very smart ones are starting to tap into it. But I don't think it's about just infrastructure or just one player coming into the market. Gotcha. So you think we're, uh, we're kind of along for the ride? You think it's going to take you know, kind of the steady growth? How far out do you think before we revisit the all-time highs? Everybody has a Bitcoin price prediction. You know, I'm not going to say, you know, don't go McAfee on us, right? Unless you want to, but... <laughs> 
What's that? What's that? Again, because, because, you know, I'm in the business of, of selling securities and I have a trading platform, uh, I, I learned to try to avoid price predictions despite the fact that everybody likes them so much, um, especially in crypto where it's really hard because it's just market dynamics. Uh, it's not like when you, you know, research a company and, and try to find the growth drivers and what's, what are going to be the profits or revenues in two or three years from today. This is really about market dynamics. Uh, and as we see now, you know, a lot of people estimate that the trade wars led to the spike from in crypto from you know from 4000 to 10000 so what could lead to 10 you know the the rise from 10000 to 20000 maybe bigger catastrophes do we want bigger catastrophes probably not so i wish we're going to see a gradual rise of crypto in the next three years yeah for sure i mean you start having some of these big institutions come in and you you see they follow suit right some big guy comes in the other ones start fomoing right they start freaking out a lot of people don't understand these big institutions once they see somebody do something they're like man we don't want to miss out Sometimes they wait and watch a little bit, but most of the time when a big, established, respected company comes in, then usually everybody starts FOMOing it all. It's, so. it, it's a lot. It's, it's not exactly FOMO. So the, wor- the way asset managers work is you need to track the performance of your peers in, in industry, right? So if you have one big asset manager suddenly taking you know, 2% of his assets in crypto doubles, they made an additional 2% across the entire benchmark of people sort of benchmarking to the S&P, that guy is going to take the entire, you know, that guy is going to eat everybody's lunch. So, and that's where people start, the asset managers start saying, okay, you know, if he's done it, we should also tap into that. So if they do well, we'll do well as well. If they don't do well, then we, you know, that's fine because they're sort of creating a new benchmark. And the more people go into it, it basically becomes a benchmark. And I, I think in tech, and that's what's happening gradually more and more with tech stocks. It's becoming a benchmark to have a, bi- a bigger part of your portfolio in tech stocks. I think we'll see it in crypto, but I think that's a process that's going to take five years for that to process to really mature. Gotcha. So we've got a, we've got a ways to go, it sounds like, right? So awesome. And again, when you're looking at an asset that can do 5x or 10x, it's fine if it's going to take time. Uh, I, I think it's sane. May, can, is there a possibility of us seeing a crazy rally in between? Yeah, probably related to a really bad catastrophe. Again, that is a scenario that is a probability. More, a lot, you know, a lot of people are talking about this doomsday scenario of, you know, bank runs, currencies defaulting. I think it's a plausible scenario we, that we don't necessarily want to happen. For sure. Yeah, I don't think uh, anybody wants catastrophes, but if you look at uh, YouTube and, and all the people on TV talking about Bitcoin, it's always price related, right? Everybody's yeah. speculators right now. They, and nobody's got patience. They're so used to, you know, hey, I bought this in February last year, went to $20,000. When's it going to do it again, right? So a lot of people in the space, that's what they focus a lot of their time and energy on is, you know, price predictions and when's it going to moon and all that kind of stuff, all the, the get rich quick stuff. So anyways, that's why, you know, I, I give this to the audience just so they can it's just so they can hear your thoughts on it, right? But uh, I agree. I think uh, we're in for a long ride. So you know, you, you built you built some amazing things. You know, you've had a super successful life, and you're just getting going. Do you have uh, like a mentor or somebody like that that uh, you know you kind of looked up to growing up, and you know something kind of you know, helped shape your life? 
Um, I, I, I was very lucky because um, uh, my father was a tech entrepreneur uh, and a founder himself. Uh, so I had him to learn from. Um, and, and my grandfather was also an entrepreneur uh, and, uh, and, and set up a bank back in Switzerland. So I had a lot of experience to sort of learn from them uh, about sort of, you know, the mistakes, uh, the right decisions and the bad decisions across uh, a lot of uh, different things. Um, and, and throughout, I think, the business community, I managed to meet a lot of very smart people, uh, which I get their advice. So uh, it, it usually doesn't seem so uh, that I'm a good listener, uh, but, I but I absorb a lot of information. It's awesome. You got uh, any books or anything like that you recommend to people that uh, you found of interest or, you know, again, impactful to you, you think it might benefit other people? I think especially younger audience need to read 1984. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's a good, good book about perspective uh, as, as well as a uh, brave new world. Uh, so, so two very good books uh, about uh, perspectives uh, and understanding also I, I, I actually like dystopian uh, type literature it helps you understand where we might end uh, unless we sort of sort of control our our fate and our future um, and regarding sort of you know business wise you know good, good to great is a very important book. I can sort of go on and on with business books here. Uh, there are many of them. Gotcha. Favorite movie, man. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Well, favorite movie. That's the, let's come back to that later on. I, I need to noodle on that. <laughs> gotcha, man. If you could change anything in the world, man, you, uh, you could be president of the world for the day. You could make anything, you can make anything. So, right. So you're, you're John Luke Picard. You make it. So, right. You could make it taco Tuesdays every single day. If you wanted, whatever you want. What would you um, so we, actually we're working on a project which if I was president of the world, I just, do it in very, very large scale. Uh, it's called the Good Dollar Project. It's a, it's a non-profit project that we're sponsoring at eToro. And the concept is, is for every person in the world to get $1 a day. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, for us, we're looking at this as like research of finance, financial engineering, computer sciences, and economics. But I think potentially we got stuck in this uh, sort of dogma of how money works. And I think that dogma is dead. And, and, and right now we're just sort of dragging the corpse. And I think the world would be a better place if people could actually just open a, a smartphone and collect $1 a day. Uh, and, and, and that would lower prices of everything and just create a better distribution of wealth with many more people who are able to pursue their happiness. Uh, so if I, I had that ability, you know, I have that ability, but in micro, because I'm not president of the world. Uh, but so, so we're doing this research as an academic research and actually launching a product soon around it. Uh, but it's going to be a lot about hacking value and how do you generate value into it. But I think that's the biggest problem with money is that money is not accessible. And I think money is the greatest product uh, we've ever invented, and it just needs to be more accessible to more people. 
Yeah, because, you know, nobody wants to keep trading chickens, right? And I know you yeah. said you want anybody to be able to exchange anything anywhere, right? But I don't think you want to go back to trading chickens. So yeah. dollars might be better, right? So I, I try to do my part, man. On every one of these videos, I give away $100 of Bitcoin cash just to get people into cryptocurrencies. But $8 billion a day, that's <laughs> that's some serious change, man. So do you have, not, necessarily, not necessarily U.S. dollars. You know, you don't necessarily know what's the value of the good dollars. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, very cool. You just create a new bank, new new currency supply. There you go. Um, what about uh, you, man? You got uh, any hidden talents or skills, you know, the world doesn't know about? You know, maybe uh, you train sharks or, I don't know, you ride dolphins or skydive on weekends? I'm, 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 kind, of, I'm kind of a boring, like my, my passion and my hobbies and my work are the same. So it's every, everything is sort of surrounding blockchain and uh, any Toro and capital markets. So you never, never unplug. It's just work, work, work 24 yeah, seven. I do, I, I do have four kids. So that's also a lot of work. Yeah, indeed. All right, man. Last question for you. Unless, unless you got a movie for me yet. So unless you got a movie for me, I got. I'll one. ask the question. I'll, I'll try to figure out what's the, what's the favorite movie. All right. Last question, man. If you had a time machine, you can go forward in time as far as you want, back in time as far as you want, but you had to stay there. When and why would you do it? It's when, where, and why. When would I go back in time? Or, you know, you go forward in time. So you go forward in time, you go back in time, but you had to stay there. You couldn't leave. I can go forward in time? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> forward, forward in time sounds more more interesting. Um, I don't know. I'll take like 30 years into the future. 30 years why, into the future. Why, why not? There you go. Find out, uh, you know, who was right about Bitcoin yeah. and all the other. The only problem there is, yeah, I don't remember which uh, series that was of the uh, Umbrella Academy. I might go three years into the future and find it after an apocalypse and stay there alone. <laughs> so, so maybe, may, maybe I'll go to the past instead. Yeah, I forget what movie that is, man. But there's a movie, yeah, where he keeps going and forward and forward in time. And yeah, it's just a war after war. And yeah, pretty much almost ends up where it's just him and a handful of people left on the planet. So careful how far forward you go. But uh, <laughs> Yoni, it's been cool. awesome, man. It's been great yeah. hanging with you. And what, what's up? What you got? Oh, just favorite movie. I'll go to Back to the Future, but that's probably just because you anchored now the previous question. <laughs> that's the beautiful of psychology. You just anchor something and that becomes reality. See, there we go. See what we did? Awesome. Dude, it's well, right. Thank you very much. All right, man. We'll post all your links. God bless. Stay awesome, man. Keep killing it. Thanks. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Huge thanks to Yoni. I really appreciate you, buddy, coming on the show and just kind of giving us more insights and perspectives into the founder and CEO of eToro. It was a great time. I hope everybody here enjoyed it as well. Just a friendly reminder, Crypto Beetle shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is the co-founder of the Monarch Wallet host of Trading View Sessions, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, and on several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money, so always trade at your own risk 
please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the fam. All right. God bless you. Love you. Till the next one. Talk to you soon.